It's such an interesting little detail, isn't it? Right there at the end of this story. Warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the three wise men return to their home, to their own country, by another route. It's as if the writer wants to underscore just one more time how in the life of this this little child, the life of this, this word made flesh, Emmanuel, this child whose birth we have just marked, it's as if the writer wants to emphasize just one more time how in the life of this little baby, even the routes by which we make our way home have changed. Everything has changed. This notion, of course, of taking a different path or route than what is planned or expected is nothing new by the point we reach here in Matthew's gospel. In fact, when we step back and look at the Bible as a whole, we realize that the alternative route of the Magi described here is really just one of many such stories. Time and again throughout both the Old and the New Testaments, we encounter tales of God going off-road, blazing unexpected pathways to accomplish God's purposes. Deep faith, for example, is modeled for us in people as unlikely as an Ethiopian eunuch and a Moabite widow. We are amazed how Saul, the murderer of Christians, has transformed into Paul, the great evangelist of the early church. We're both conflicted and convicted by these prophets who appear out of nowhere and who do not mince their words in both comfort and judgment. We're moved by the unmerited forgiveness shown by people like Joseph in Genesis and a prodigal father of a wayward son in Luke. Over and over, we read these stories of a God who rarely, if ever, fits into our neat boxes of expectation. We read of a God who constantly seems to be taking a different route than the one we expect. And the child those magi go to visit is, of course, no exception. Jesus' whole life from beginning to end is really the story of God taking an unexpected path. While the world was awaiting this Messiah who would come in glory, God comes how? God comes, God chooses to come as a babbling baby born in a barn in a backwater. While the world hoped for a God who would make them content and mighty, God instead came overturning tables upending traditions, ministering to those who were poor and sick, lonely and scared, spending time with the least of these rather than the most of all. While the world expected a mighty Savior who would destroy evil in all its forms, God instead succumbed to death on a cross 
as a criminal of the state. And when the world thought the story is over, God uses an empty tomb to show that it has actually just begun. At every bend in the arc of history, when the promises of God seem too good to be true, God shows us that they have already been fulfilled. It's just that they're often fulfilled in the people and places we least expect. Now, the Magi could not have known how the story of the Christ child would play out. But there in the presence of their Lord, on that visit, they seem to sense that something along these same lines is happening yet again. They bow down to worship. They lay gifts at Jesus' feet. They have an epiphany which taken out of its religious context simply means that they have a sudden realization. They suddenly seem to realize that God is at work anew, forging yet another unexpected path in this dangerous world. But they also realize the deception of Herod. And so they go home by another way. You know, before we go any further, I think we have to pause first and acknowledge how tempting in practice it really is to not go home by another way. Because the truth of the matter is that it's way more efficient, it's way more comfortable, and oftentimes it's way more safe to keep traveling the roads we already know, right? The safer option for the Magi here is to hightail it back to Jerusalem, right? Herod is empowered because he makes it quite advantageous to live by his rules and quite dangerous to do anything else. It's no different today. There is just as much deception, just as many half-truths and outright falsehoods that our culture tries to sell us on now as then. Just as many things that our world feeds us saying, this is the safer option. It's awfully dangerous to do anything else. They often boil down to these little mantras that seem high on calories but low on nutrition. It's the voice that says, you don't need someone else's help. You can do it on your own. Come on. It's the voice that urges us saying, now wealth and fame, prestige at any cost, that is what will make you happy. The voice that whispers that we are unworthy of love unless our bodies look or feel a certain way. It's the voice that tells us God's love is dependent on saying or doing or believing just the right thing. Right? It's all deception. It's all lies. And so how appropriate it is that we begin this new year as every year 
reading the epiphany story again. Because this is a time when so many of us are busy making our latest round of resolutions. And when we read this story, what we're reading is the story of magi who are resolving to change direction. To seek both sustenance and salvation somewhere else. To finally begin walking a new path in this life. It's as if the Magi are standing there at the trailhead behind the barn and they're beckoning to us saying, Now we know, we know that security and comfort and a warm bed await you if you just turn back and return to where you have come from. If you just keep walking that well-worn, familiar path. But listen, they're saying, there's another way. There is a place where the lies are finally stripped away once and for all. There's a path that leads us to a home where all are welcome, to a life that is free from fear and free for serving humbly, giving generously, loving broadly. What would it look like For you, for for us, to take a few steps down that path of the other way. What would it look like to extend the right hand of Christian fellowship this year? To break free from that mentality of fear and hate that is perpetuated so freely in our chain emails, in our 24-hour news networks, in our Senate runoff campaign materials filling our mailboxes. What would it look like to, to break free by actually meeting and loving someone who seems at the surface to be utterly and completely different than us? What would it look like to continue practicing some of the lessons of 2020, this year we have just left behind in 2021? To be willing to sometimes continue sacrificing our own comfort and preferences for the safety and well-being of others? What would it look like to plan a budget this year that strives to bring a little more balance to spending on ourselves versus spending for others, to live a little more generously this year? What would it look like to do something that doesn't compute, something outside your comfort zone? What would it look like to approach life by another way? After a year of so many detours and dead ends and blind curves, who knows? Maybe that way will finally lead us home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.